0: You know what? You talking shit all those times at the last minute you canceled. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on.
1: That was a long time ago. That's ancient history. Talk
0: to daddy. (laughs) Talk to daddy. (laughs) Come on.
1: Here we go. Episode 222. That is right. 222. Insane. I can't believe we've done that many and we got lots more lined up. So, change. Yeah, this part of what agile's all about is responding to change. But Change can knock you out. Today's episode is all about change fatigue and making sure you understand when it's happening. Know how to respond as a leader. Know how to respond as a team member. So here we go. I'm going to wave my magic wand, and we're off to the episode. Are you tired?
0: Tired? Yeah. When I came in the door this morning, Josh, my butt was dragging behind me. I mean, I heard this sound. I thought it was like a squirrel or something. It was my butt hanging behind (laughs) me. It's a lot more than a squirrel. I was pretty... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: i was pretty fatigued yeah let me tell you why do you ask well i you know i've been doing a lot of changing in all my jobs and i hear about this change fatigue Ooh, and i thought maybe we should discuss would you be interested
0: i would okay let's do it then i mean if i can muster enough energy yeah i'll try You're tired I, i'm always t- aged yes but wise beyond my years Yes. Yeah. So there is this notion. In fact, in my leadership class, I just did a cow class, a private cow class, and I talk about change curves. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's change fatigue and then uh, change cycles or methods. Cotter, mm-hmm. I think John Cotter has a famous eight phase change like how do you how do you guide what are the phases of change in an organization and then there's another model that i like better than that a little bit it's a little more fluid or a little bit more nimble it's called the virginia satire change curve or the Satir change curve it's a j curve so what, what
1: does the j curve mean
0: it's that's the physical orientation of it it looks like a j okay j so you enter so she doesn't have time frames or anything and she was a social worker so she used it She used it in family social work and child Mm -hmm. social work where families have a change, like a father leaves the family and that's a change. So how do you navigate that? So the, the J curve is I'll just for the medicalist, I'll just try to visualize it Mm -hmm. for folks, but you enter with a change, call it a foreign element and you immediately get into like chaos. And there's a negative, you go below, like there's a status quo. So the minute you introduce a change in the Satir change curve, you know, whatever your performance is, if your family was happy, you're going to get sadder or whatever. If it's if you introduce a change to an organization, the team might slow down. So you immediately slow down. And you're in this what they call like what I call the danger zone, which is depending on the size of the change, you go deep into change and then broad and you're trying to navigate it. So you're in this chaos or this danger zone and resistance is in there as well what you try to find is a transformative idea. And that idea starts to, like, what's in it for me? Or how do I, in a family sense, how am I going to go on without my dad? And the transformative idea is maybe I play football or something like that. So then I start the transforming idea. Then you start integrating the change and you start coming out of the curve. You pass the status quo. So now you... You may, if it's a change that has, can have a positive result, let's use the family example, yeah. your, your dad's having a negative effect. The football or the playing might actually get you better off than when your dad was around mm-hmm. and not doing a good job. So you're integrating and then you come out of the change curve and you establish a new status quo. So change is you you go through these phases. One reason I bring it up is to make people aware of you don't instantaneously navigate change. There's a neg- There's a net net negative effect in navigating change. It's like something's going to give, and it's not going to and it's going to be negative until you turn it positive. Uh, the other the another reason. So change fatigue. The way I describe it is: what if you're in the danger zone? And you introduce another change Mm -hmm. and you haven't navigated, you haven't, you haven't actually integrated the previous one. So now you're what, now you're going deeper and broader. And then if you, and if you introduce another change, very often in agile, we're like, I see a lot of change organizationally. That's not talking about families. Let's talk about organizations and transformation. A lot of organizations are like the change of the week club. And it's not just agile transformations, it's all changes. So if you change buildings, that's a change. If you are working from home and, get, and then have to go back to the office. Reorgs. I think reorgs are notorious for change, like like groups do reorgs. All, while you're doing agile change. So anything where where folks are like rolling their eyes. So a physical manifestation of change fatigue to me is you suggest something that's really, maybe let's say it's a really good idea. It's really relevant. But folks are like, yeah, just another, yet another thing we have to navigate. So relate to that in any way. Does it resonate with you? Does It, it not?
1: It does. I am on the other end of the spectrum. And throughout my career, I've had to, number one, recognize it. And then, number two, adjust. So throughout most of my life, I was rewarded for being resilient to change and to evolving quickly,
0: so you navigated the J curve quickly, the S curve quickly. That maybe it's in your DNA to do it that.
1: Benefited me greatly in the directions I wanted to go in my life to be able to do that. Okay, like with football, right? You I get, was going to ask you.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sorry for, but I was yeah. wondering. I was wondering if football was a part. Yeah, of because
1: deal. every week is a different opponent, and you can't do the same thing. You get new coaches, you get new teammates. You like stuff just changes. And you have to change in the middle of the game, so you have to be able to respond to that. And if you can't, then somebody will probably be playing instead of you.
0: Okay, so I, you know, I didn't put that together when you were saying. I thought it was just arrogance uh, no. or something, right? But no, the football makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. We've talked lately about that before, and,
1: and that was my that was my doorway into staying on the field. Because okay. I played in front of two guys that got drafted, because they were physically more skilled and talented and yep. larger and faster and all of the things. Yep. But what I brought to the table was I gave the coaches the ultimate flexibility to do whatever they wanted with my position and role, and they would know it would get done. Okay. So that's what kept me on the field was. I became a Swiss Army knife where I could do whatever was needed wherever, whenever, and we could change on a right after a play or the next series or whatever it was.
0: Now, you still go through those steps. Yeah. You may not even be conscious of them, but right. you, you might go through them very quickly. Yeah. I mean, in a matter of mi- on the football yeah. field, yeah. in a matter of minutes or yes. something. Yeah. But you don't have a choice. Yeah.
1: Especially me, right? It was like, well, either I do this or I'm going to be on the bench. I didn't want to be on the bench. So throughout my career, I struggled with not even knowing change fatigue was a thing. Uh, Your football career. Professional career. Yeah, yeah. So as I became a leader and I felt like I was helping the organization evolve at a fast pace to get to where we needed to be to become who we aspired to be, I was crushing people. It just was too hard on them because they were... Less trained in change or something. So that's a blind. Well, it's a blind it, spot it, yeah, for you, exactly. right? I didn't know, and I really drove some people into the ground, especially at the dude. And I had to recognize that. And understand. so as recent as
0: the dude, yeah. It, it, there was this so, sort of disconnect between the level of change that you could navigate
1: or inspire, and yeah. what the yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. All yeah. right, hold on. I got. I I gave you these tissues because I planned to cry based on the quality of the the value I was adding to the
0: the discussion yeah I I mean I keep those tears inside and they're (laughs) and they're tears they're tears of joy
1: I just forgot to take my allergy medicine this morning
0: you have allergy medicine yeah the dog no just just in general outside Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. No, I'm not trying to dig into your personal life. I'm, I'm. I was like, I hope you're not allergic to the dog. I um, mean, I'm
1: allergic to you.
0: I feel the same way. So no, that's that. I never realized that about you. That you. I know you are pushing, but I never put two and two together that you might be sort of. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was just okay. Cool. We did it. And I was looking for the next change. Like, okay, we evolved here. What's the next step we need to make slash take? And while that drove us to evolve quickly, it also had some collateral damage that I wasn't aware of until I started to see it, feel it, and hear it from folks on my team. And then I I had to learn, okay, you've got to back off. You have to understand, like, the temperature of the team, things like that that I wasn't paying attention to. It was just we are going down this road as fast as we can, and everybody hop on board. And if you can't keep up,
0: well, sorry. see. So one of the things with the curve in the leadership classes, I I talk to leaders, or I'm trying to make the point that everyone has their own change curve, speed, and their tolerance for change. So when you're coaching people individually in one on ones, figure out what theirs theirs yeah. are. Meet them in the J curve, and then. Help them find their transformative ideas themselves. So that's what. So instead of pushing them, pushing them doesn't just does harm. Now, what you can, if you want to accelerate, then help them navigate the J-curve. Help them find the transformative idea. Help them integrate it so that they start seeing what's in it for them, and then they'll accelerate. They'll get optimistic. So that's one thing I think the the model or the metaphor helps with leaders is to look at that help people navigate individually through the change because we all have different. You're fat. I'm trying to think of muscles or fast. You're a fast Twitch in that aspect 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 of my life. Yeah. (laughs) And then slow Twitch people. The other thing is packaging change. So another aspect is if you're going to navigate it, then do you want to, do you want to take small changes? large changes or an aggregate like packaging of the amount of change is important. Mm-hmm. I think, or be thoughtful about what you're like, how many changes you're put together. And then the other thing is getting people to the status quo, trying to be really reluctant to introduce a new change until, and it's not just achieving the new status quo, let people revel in it just for, for a period of time, let them have the breath, let them see the result of the change, get some positive energy and let them revel and rest for a, a week before you drop another J-curve on them. So those are two additional sort of thinking ideas. So the coaching, the packaging, be strategic. And that doesn't mean small change. That could be, you know what, instead of dripping small changes, which might extend the danger zone, Mm -hmm. maybe I drop a, a moderate change, and then I have some patience to navigate that through.
1: The hard part for leaders listening is that there's no equation we can give you to say this is how you regulate change. You that's that's yeah. the
0: challenge I have. I, I see people when I'm live, a little bit with virtual, people are blinking. it's is this important? Is this just an old man ranting? And how and what the hell are you telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And there is a that's the problem. There is no algorithm that you can run people through. You can't run individuals through it. You can't run an organization through it. It's more be cognizant of it. Yeah.
1: So for me, when I discovered this, I realized, I think the term they used was really good, was it was a blind spot. There was a blind spot I had no idea. Yeah. So I just had to start paying attention. And I would ask a lot of questions of leaders across the organization of, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? How would your team react? Is it too soon? Is it... Too late, just whatever. So gathering as much data as possible so I felt like I could make a better choice than I had where I would just like blindly charge. So again, we can't give you A plus B equals C and this is how much you change and when you change and how you do it. Like that just doesn't exist. As we've covered in so many spots here, you're gonna have to just do the hard messy work to figure it out and try it and see what works and what doesn't.
0: I think also back off, right? There could be some detection. Yeah. What does change fatigue? If you're overdoing it, maybe you could characterize that a little bit. What did you see? You know, what burned out people? What were the it, things that you saw?
1: It got vocalized to me through some of the team members that I was most friendly with. Okay. So they would say, "Josh, can we not do this?" I'm like, "Why? Like, we clearly need to do it. Let's exactly. go." Exactly. And, and it was like. We just changed this. Can you not do it? And I'm like, why? Like what's what's the problem? Yeah. You know, so like my instant reaction is like, What's wrong with you? Why can't you handle Correct. this? And then after talking, you're just wearing the crap out of us. Yeah. And so they talk through what like the previous six months were, and it was like a giant slap in the face, is like, oh boy, you have really been failing this team.
0: See, and the problem there is that they really care. You were you yeah. are a good leader. Right. And people work with you there loved you. So they would go, which is kind of a problem because by the time you heard from anyone, yeah, it was like they were
1: already burned out and yeah. fr- and fizzled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that was an eye opener. So again, this is where my ability to change quickly paid off. So you changed
0: to slow down.
1: Yeah. I, I instantly I yeah. changed. Yeah. One of the things that and to me, like like just a life thing, there was a period at Teradata after you left, and I I think I've told this story before, where I was just like, the work was consuming me, and I came home from work one day, and my wife said to me, like, hey, the kids say you aren't the same dad anymore. Like, you're gonna have to figure something out at work, because this isn't just working. And I changed instantly, because as soon as I understood how it was affecting my family, I felt irresponsible if I let it go on another. So again, that's another one of those things where my ability to do that paid off. right, And it enabled, air quote, success in that space. But again, I don't think I'm normal in that
0: Not realm. in that, yeah. not in that. I think the other thing from a leadership that I was thinking about, most leaders I think are driven. Yeah. And so most leaders are, they may be wired not like you are, like you navigate the change. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of leaders push change, not just because of their own, like your internal compass was driving that. But you've worked in organizations where change is just coming at you yeah. hot and heavy from outside yeah. market changes, lead, reorgs, leadership changes, et cetera. And as leaders, you just have to push that downstream. So I, I think this is a problem. I think leaders, it's inherent in leadership in today's organizations that we're probably overly pushing change. Now, some Mm -hmm. of them are more tolerant of it or more more change friendly than others. But being aware of the fatigue, I think, is important. It's an important thing to come up with some indicator or set of indicators for your organization of, I would say, eye rolls or resistance. I would measure when you're getting resistance... I would guess there's moderate, there's normalized resistance, there's cultural resistance that whatever's normal for the organization, but when it exceeds
1: whatever normal is,
0: then you may be pushing too hard
1: would be another indicator, right? And as a leader, you also have a responsibility to resist upwards. Yeah, If that change is coming down and say no, exactly. Let's wait for six weeks or whatever the appropriate time is, and not allow that. That's your duty as a leader to your crew that might already be fatigued Yep, that you need to protect them and let them get through that curve. Yeah. So let's put the shoe on the other foot. You're not a leader, and you're in an environment where there's a lot of change, and you're beginning to feel fatigued. How could you, should you respond?
0: I I think you gave an example, probably one of the more powerful examples i don't think you just take it Mm -hmm. and a lot and i think actually that's the default mode for most teams and individuals it's like it's inevitable so i just have to tolerate it or something and and try to change myself i i would communicate to your leaders or whoever's driving the change like you you were lucky that you had that now you had a relationship i would say even if you don't have a relationship somehow as a team or you or get more members to communicate up because what's happening is you're not navigating to net net. You are net net negative beyond the human being feelings. You, whatever in organizational change, you probably have slowed down. You probably lost something and you haven't navigated to improvement. So from a pure business point of view, you have to get to that new status quo. And, and there's only one way to get there, which is internalize the chain as a group. So try to accelerate that. So it's in your best interest to, to try to slow, slow folks down.
1: It's also in the company's yeah, best that's a, interest. And I think that's a thing you can bring to that discussion yeah. is, listen, this will make it difficult for us to produce at the pace that we have been. And we know how important it is for us to do that we're introducing a risk if we create this change and have that discussion, have it from the, yeah from the understanding of the business and where it's trying to go and show how not doing this right now is a good thing. It's not that we don't want to do it. Not that we don't think it's a good idea, but not right now. And that's where in a previous episode, we talked about me returning to the scrum master role the value of staying connected to doing the hard work on the front lines helps you remember that you have a duty like to yourself to speak up, but also to the company as a steward of the company, whether you're a, a leader, well, everybody's a leader, whether you have a leadership title or not, You have a responsibility to say, hey, I think this is a bad idea, and here's why.
0: Or now is the wrong time. I'd say that's a better— Yes, right. Now is not the right time for us to navigate yet another thing. Mm -hmm. You've had that discussion. I've heard you, I think, talk in Medicast occasionally. that Someone in your experience has talked to you and said, good idea, Josh, but now we're not going to do that now, yeah, right? We're in the middle of something. The other thing I want to bring back, I want to go back to what I've learned from Satir's model— is I think I, I wanna broaden change or keep a change log. So it's not just business change, it's all change. So if, I remember years ago at eye contact we moved from one building to the next, that's a change. We moved right. floors, someone met, someone said you have to move to the X floor in the same building. That's a, ch- I wrote down stuff, Pol- HR policy changes, mm, Yeah. org changes. Learning, a technology, we switched stacks. That's a change. T-shaped, they're pushing T-shapedness on me. Now I have to do things that I'm, I'm learning, I'm uncomfortable right. with. Okay. That's a change. Now, think of agile transformation. There's a ton of change there. So it's not just agile it's cumulative. Whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. if you make people wear uniforms, that's a change, right? Whatever it is,
1: if there's a global pandemic,
0: exactly. That doesn't mean they're not all the same, but it's ch- it's change fatigue is all change. The other part of the individual is you're not leading automatons; you're leading people. Mm-hmm. So there's life changes on those parts. So part of the the coaching, the one-on-one coaching, and navigating the J curve is also asking what change is going on in your life. And then using that in the, oh, they've had a change in their marital status. They've gotten a new baby. Is it, is it this change? I was just talking to someone yesterday, yeah. a, a friend, and it's like a seven-week-old baby. Yeah. And he was incredibly happy. It was his first baby. But it was also like, yeah. you know, he looked tired. Yeah. He was exhausted. And it's just navigating. And then he's navigating change at work. So he's navigating a growth change at work. And his company's growing. And then he's navigating role change. His group is growing, and then he got a baby at home, and he's remote. He's 100 remote, and it's just that's part of it. I'm not trying to build this huge snowball of excuses, but what I am saying is being cognizant of change is not just agile in our context. It's much broader than and that.
1: And that's the that's the danger that we live in because. I was effectively raised to believe that those are excuses. Yes. And Jock, ja, the old saying was, don't tell me how rough the sea is, just bring in the damn ship. That's how I was raised, both in my childhood and in school and sports and all of that. Again, we talked about how that enabled me yep. to stay on the field, yep. was I brought the ship in. Yep. No matter how rocky the seas were, and so that was my upbringing. Like I've talked a lot about everybody's path to now. That was my path to now was an ability to always dock the ship. Yeah. And leaders, especially the older we are, that was the environment that that we were raised in. And they aren't excuses. They are facts. And those facts create other facts which are, change and distraction for that person as a leader whenever someone appears to be struggling you have to start with questions
0: absolutely and
1: understand what's going on because i am sure that person wants to be performing at as high a level as possible because you hired them for a reason because they're good so what is causing them to slow down right now is it you as a leader is it the company is it life is it who knows what well, the key is to help them
0: navigate that, you know. that, to accelerate yeah. through the changes. I, I do want to tee up an idea and see how you react to it. There, Jeffrey Moore had that Crossing the Chasm book, mm-hmm. and there were like five phases. It was early adopters, then early majority, late majority, and then he had this notion of laggards at the end of the curve. And laggards were, I always think of the Crossing the Chasm like the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the folks are going to change. But there's always, there's always I think there's always going to be folks who don't, Who don't navigate change. So very little coaching. So they're going to be in the danger zone almost all the time. They're not going to navigate. They're not looking for transformative ideas, etc. What do you do with those?
1: That's To me, you have to honor who they are and how they want to operate. And earlier in my career, I would grab them by the scruff of the neck and drag them across the finish line. Yeah. And then... I started to understand this is not how this person wants to work.
0: That's where my brain goes to uh, right. to what is it to the uh, bus uh, you know that bus analogy getting the right people on the on the bus and getting the wrong people off the bus and yeah. getting them another bus or something.
1: And they're not bad people, they're no, not bad employees, no. it's just the direction you're going isn't a direction they want their career to go. And that's okay.
0: And it could be a change. The rate of change at your organization is just not for them.
1: Yeah. And the standard approach I have is I help them find a job. I help them find a place that suits whatever it is that they prefer. But too many people treat that group as cast-offs and don't honor who they aspire to be and the fact that They are strong enough to say, I get you guys are going that way. I don't want to go that way. And so as a leader, it can't be, it doesn't matter. Like I did a couple of times, you're still coming with us. It's got to be, okay, cool. Understand it. How do we work through this? How can I help you find a spot? Because then it's, that's the best outcome for both sides. That employee finds a happy place and you find an employee that wants to work through whatever change you're working through.
0: Well, and I I think if you don't do that, and again, I'm not trying to be a till of the hunt, but I'm trying to have recognition and then you want to have patient coaching. But I think if you don't do that, then those folks are going to increase the danger zone. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to be dragging. They're going to be a breaking system on their colleagues in the system. They're going to be slowing things down. So you have to, again, be humane, be thoughtful, be fair, do all of those things, but also be self-aware, recognize that. I do think there's a percentage of folks who they're just going to be dragging elements in that model. I've never talked about that in the class, but now as we were talking through it, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. And it's, and and maybe that's another, that's part of the transformative, part of the transformative idea I think is not just for the individuals, but for the leader, like the transformative idea is, how do I turn the corner on this change? And in this case, the leader recognizes that I have someone, right? I, I have to make a shift for someone.
1: And one of the most common situations in that scenario is the employee doesn't recognize. Yeah. So you have to have that discussion. And oftentimes, like, well, are you trying to fire me? You're like, no, I'm not. I'm not yep. trying to fire you. Yeah. <laughs> Just having this, this discussion that I'm not sure how you're going to be happy. Correct. In this job. Yep. And if that's true, after we talk it through, Cool. Let me help you find a place to be happy yep. and then make all that happen. And again, everybody's in a better spot.
0: Now I bring this up all the time. I hear people talk about it. I usually pull folks mm. and it's, I describe change, change. Are you, have you seen change fatigue? Almost everyone has seen it. I interact with quite a few folks in FinTech. They seem, they're very change. I think yeah. in different domains, there's different rates of change. FinTech is notoriously, at least in my perspective, change friendly what I'm trying to say is I think there's a lot of change fatigue. So I think this is an important episode where don't just tolerate it. Or if you like the company, don't just move on, do have, communicate, mm-hmm. have these discussions where you raise it up that we're not there. The other thing is help, help your leaders find those transformative ideas, change, share those. If you find something, the what's in it for me, share the what's in it for me, but, Open your mouth. There's a lot of aggressive change in the world.
1: And leaders pay freaking attention. Yeah. Like I had to learn how to because you will unknowingly do harm. With oh, it's, with, with good intentions, you're doing harm. Yeah. And that's some of the most painful things you have to go through as leader when you realize, oh, crap, look what I've done. Yeah. But you, you have to pay attention. You have to think about it. You have to look and listen and ask.
0: Well, and even something as simple as ask the teams, is this too much change? Mm-hmm. Like instead of injecting a change, I wish more leaders would ask their teams and say, I'm thinking of reorganing the DevOps the DevOps team. What do you think DevOps team, what do you what are your reactions to that? Other folks, do you think we've introduced too much change? Leaders, what do you think? And really just gaining like being creating safety and gaining feedback. I I think there's hubris. I don't think there's a lot of permission for change out there, is maybe what I'm getting. I don't think folks ask permission very often to change. Maybe that's another.
1: I have a real pet peeve about change that I've seen in some places where I've tried and tried and tried and tried to coach leaders out of doing this. But there was this very strong desire to prepare the change Behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Hold it and then have this grand reveal.
0: Well, there's you know the language that I've rolling out the change. Yeah. We need to roll it out. If you ever use that language, you have not asked permission. You have thought deep thoughts behind the door, maybe with a small leadership team. Mm -hmm. And then what you're doing is plopping a pile of change on the and you immediately go push everyone affected into the danger zone. Absolutely.
1: And some of the real churn I've seen is those leadership teams trying to get that rollout perfect. Yep. So they keep refining and panicking or panicking and refining.
0: Exactly. Panic.
1: Oh no, this could happen. Oh no, this could happen. So then the prep for that change goes on for literally months.
0: That's a good, that's a good
1: point. And during that time it leaks out and
0: it leaks out. And at that point people are like, shoot me just introduce it. Right. I'm so tired of hearing. Yeah. 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 And that just, so, so, don't do that. So there's two lessons there: ask permission, and they're interrelated, and get feedback from your team about the change early on. So the, instead of that behind closed doors, have it be transparent, yeah, and in, include the team, and also, but also ask the question of: Are we biting? Have we bitten off too much? Is this too aggressive? And accept the, and the accept the yes. It is yeah. very often as a leader. Oh, that's just. Yeah. That's just resistance. Yeah. My job is to drive. My job is to drive us through that, right? Yep. No, listen to your team. Yeah. I think we've nailed this. I hope as, as usual. That's our humility does come through. But no, I appreciate you entertaining this topic. It's a, I think it's an important topic. So, medic, I hope you got something from this, and just be more change aware, and talk about it, leader. I think we've rattled your cage a bit. So, just reflect on what we've said. So, from beautiful downtown Fuquay, Varina, North Carolina, I'm Bob Gamlin.
1: And I'm Josh Anderson.
0: Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.